You're listening to Church Unplugged, the podcast of Christ Community Chapel. In each episode, we look at questions and topics that are related to our faith in Jesus and to the way that it plays out in everyday life. Our question today is, how does forgiveness work? So as followers of Jesus, we're commanded to forgive just like Jesus forgave us. But sometimes that can be easier said than done. So how should we as followers of Jesus think about forgiveness? It's an important discussion for us to have. Welcome in to Church Unplugged. Uh, welcome into Church Unplugged. I'm Jimmy Cozy, part of the leadership team here at CCC. I've got with me today Joe Coffey, our lead pastor, and then Zach Wyrock and Stacy Donardo, two other members of our leadership team. Our question for this episode is, how does forgiveness work? And so there are a couple of layers to this, forgiveness on a theological level, forgiveness of sin, but then also interpersonally, when we wrong each other or when we are wronged, how do we forgive? How should we approach that as Christians? Uh, even the difference between forgiveness and reconciliation, which sometimes are thrown around as uh, synonyms of one another, but I think there are distinctions. So how does all of that work together? How does forgiveness work? <laughs> I, well, that, this is going to be foundational to what it means to be a Christian, uh, but we're also going to be talking probably about what it means to be the forgiver mm-hmm. and what it means to be the forgivee, if that makes sense. So um, let me start just by this, that uh, I just got out of a session that we are uh, running through with our staff about sharing Jesus, and uh, and I'm also reading a book about Jesus, which is uh, kind of normal for me. I'm always reading a book about Jesus, but there are certain stories about Jesus that make me tear up every time. And they're always about forgiveness. The depth of his love is uh, just absolutely moving. I got moved last night when I was reading this book. Uh, I got moved again today where I had to fight back tears uh, because it is so, so wonderful uh, to be loved so deeply that that the God of the universe uh, has allowed us a way to be forgiven. Uh, I think the closer we start kind of to that red-hot center, the probably better we are uh, at being both the forgiver and the forgivee. Yeah, maybe the nice thing about Christianity with forgiveness being at the center of it in terms of God forgiving sin, uh, the sins of the church, is that it offers us a template to work from because it's so integral to the Christian faith. And so if we said... What does forgiveness look like? What does it mean to forgive? What does it look mean to be the forgiver? What does it mean to be the one receiving forgiveness? Then we can look at the heart of the gospel and we can say, well, when God forgives us, what does that look like? Right? right? Yeah. When when we receive his forgiveness, what does that look like? And Joe, one of the things I've heard you say that I think is really great uh, and been informative for me in thinking about these things is uh, that forgiveness always costs someone something. And I think that's something, that's an example of you take that from the center of the faith in which forgiving our sins costs Jesus Jesus. his life, right? And so there is a, one of the things we learned right away is forgiveness is not cheap. It's not easy. It's not a snap of the fingers. There's always a cost to pay. And so I think if you keep taking the forgiveness that God offers us, you know, and you just keep turning it and saying, well, what does this look like? What does this look like? Then that's going to be instructive and informative for how we think about forgiving each other. How have we done with forgiveness just around this table? It's hard. It really is. Yeah. This actually, um, I think, well, something I've thought about recently is that 
Uh, I vacillate between two extremes. I think um, I either will never forgive somebody. And even if I say I forgive them, in my mind, I hold whatever they've done to me against me for the rest of their life. Or uh, I move to, maybe they're two symptoms of the same problem, but I move to forgive somebody so quickly that I don't fully um, allow myself to express how I've been hurt. And so it's just like, I just want to avoid the conflict altogether. So it's almost like uh, I, I go between total desire for conflict or total avoidance of conflict, <laughs> right. one or the right. other. And so I think either way, I'm not actually engaging in anything resembling forgiveness. Yeah. I think I, I'm one where I feel like I'm too, I'm quick to forgive, but then like Jimmy, like you said, I think it makes me question is my forgiveness fully as authentic or real as it should be, or am I missing any components of that? But I don't know. I feel like it's, it does cost something to forgive, but yet I think the cost is greater not to. Yeah. Um, and, and the cost is greater in our own heart um, to not forgive someone where then bitterness and all sorts of other things take root. Yeah, so. for sure. I've counseled people where it's easy for me to see in them mm-hmm. that if you are not able to forgive, this is like a weight you're holding on to. Yeah. And I think probably all of us have experienced that where we go to bed at night and we can't uh, quit thinking about the hurt and uh, how someone has um, wronged us, and then you can't sleep. And I mean, it does no good. There right. is, and then the moment we're able to really forgive is the moment we are set free, let alone them being set free. So, but also, you know, Jimmy and I were talking there. <clears throat> there are some times where I want to, if somebody has hurt me in multiple uh, ways. And they come to ask like a general forgiveness or they just say it like, I'm sorry, you know, forgive me. Um, there's something inside of me that wants them to itemize. <laughs> so then, and that when I thought that, I thought, uh, you know, I, that's one of the reasons why I think it's important for me when I'm talking to God, for me to itemize my sin. Yeah. It's so easy for me to do a general kind of, you know, forgive me for this. When I start to itemize, I start to realize the depth of my sin, uh, the gravity of it, and then also understand more about what it takes for forgiveness and experience that forgiveness. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, Jimmy, you said something at the beginning about forgiveness and reconciliation, and I think that's an interesting thing. I mean, I'm in the process right now of working through some of these things with people in my my family and that I'm engaging and, you know, trying to separate like almost judicial forgiveness, yeah. like, okay, you did something wrong. Am I going to hold that against you? Are you always going to be guilty in my eyes? And then kind of like a positional or relational forgiveness of like, are we going to start to work back towards some kind of friendship or connection or, you know, and I think it's tough to work through those things because in when we look at God's forgiveness, God's forgiveness is absolute on the one hand, right? When he forgives us judicially, doesn't hold our sins against us, we are reconciled with him, we become his children. And so he doesn't bifurcate, well, you, you're you judicially forgiven, but I'm going to wait and see if you mean it before I decide if we're, you know, if I'm your father and you're my mm-hmm. child. He doesn't do that. But at the same time, the Bible also makes clear that for someone to confess their sins and say that Jesus is Lord means a certain level of commitment on their end that for, even change right? yeah that forgiveness change. and reconciliation are connected to because how could you say for example to God I'm sorry for all the sin I've committed all the ways I've rejected your authority 
now I'm going to go on rejecting your authority. Right. You, yeah. you couldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be forgiven for that, right? You're you're forgiven through a realization and a rejection. It's why Bible calls repentance, which means not just acknowledging wrong, but rejecting it in favor of the right. I think the difficulty comes in when, in so many times, maybe the more significant something is repentance it has a time component to it. Yeah. You know, a person says they're sorry, they say they messed up, and and especially if there has been lo- if there have been lies and deception, you just kind of step back and you go, you know, I don't know, I, I don't know, I don't know, and I think that's where the murkiness comes in for me is of saying like, okay, if I could know you're one hundred percent being honest with me right now, then I feel like I could forgive you because I understand that's what God's done for me, but because I'm not God and I don't know, the only thing I know to do is almost wait and see: Are you in fact? truly sorry for these things. But that creates a whole nother list of questions. Yeah, I I get to help out with our marriage ministry at Christ Community Chapel, Reengage. It's great. Little plug there. But we talk a lot about this concept of forgiveness versus reconciliation. And I'm just thinking about uh people that I've engaged with in this where First of all, sometimes they will come and they'll say, you know what, I feel like if I forgive my spouse that I'm letting them off the hook. And then, you know, there becomes this almost like control thing and unhealthy thing of them feeling like that's the, their security almost as in not forgiving. Or withholding it in order to extract <clears throat> right. a but toll. At the same point, another thing that we talk about a lot in there is that the only thing that you can actually affect and change is yourself. And so... That's where then I'd go back to saying whether the person is being completely honest, understands the depth of their repentance, understands the depth of what they're asking for or not, and is completely, you know, wherever they are at, still me forgiving them is going to do more within my own heart of releasing some of the just different things that will bind me up if I don't. So, you know... Yeah, there's yeah. something to that. You know, we talk uh, a lot and we're talking a lot more with uh, Reimagine about how we are hardwired, how the world, the rhythm of the world, how God has set eternity in our hearts and all that. So there's some hardwiring in us that forgiveness hits, I think. And uh, I was just trying to think through different times when uh, I have asked for forgiveness or somebody has asked for forgiveness from me. If I hold back... Um, from being humiliated. Like there's something that's really humiliating about saying, (laughs) I am wrong. This is what I did. Will you forgive me? It's like you are are at the bottom floor. If you stay on like the first floor or the second floor and you say, listen, I'm sorry, you know, but I had a bad day or I'm sorry. uh, Will you forgive me? But you know, you have stuff too. And whatever you try to condition it with, it does not have the same impact. When somebody comes to me and they go to the bottom floor, there is something in my heart that is that changes toward them. Where because there's a longing inside of us, I think, to be reconciled and to forgive. I think we're hardwired for it. Uh, but I think it requires us, the the person who's asking for forgiveness, uh, to go all the way to the bottom. And maybe that's what Zach, you're saying is that. When somebody's not being honest, you you want to go. If, if I knew you were honest and you were on the bottom floor, right? Yeah, then my heart would come up would would come alive. Yeah, for you. I think some of that's because you feel like when a person comes to you with a non-apology, you know, when they say, "Oh, I have some, I'm sorry for these things, but you have some stuff too," or yeah. 
you know, the classic celebrity, like, uh, I'm sorry if I offended if I anyone, offended right? Somebody, yeah. And, you know, I think what happens is you almost feel like if you extend forgiveness, then you're buying into all those terms, right? So you're saying, yeah, you weren't wrong. I guess we were all wrong. Or, right. yeah. you know, That's... you were wrong, but also I shouldn't have been offended. Or, you know, whatever, where you're saying, well, wait a minute, I, I just want you to acknowledge your your part. And and so that I know it's meaningful to you. And I think that's where the Bible will talk a lot about confession, right? And so even in First John where it says, if we confess our sins, right, he's faithful and just to forgive us. And there's this thing with confession is a way of saying what you're saying, Joe, of like going to the bottom floor and saying, hey, no excuses, no equivocation, no, no attempt to legitimize, you know, I was wrong. And, and I think that's why the New Testament places such an emphasis on baptism, because when we come to Jesus and we turn away from our sin and we confess him, he he says to us right away, be baptized. And when we do that, what we're saying is, hey, I was on the bottom floor. Right. I had rejected your authority, and I am eager to embrace even the small first step of getting baptized, because now I, 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 I accept your authority. And I think sometimes... Uh, forgiveness does. It gets when people have come to me in the past, truly broken, and truly just confessing. It's. I think it's hard to not forgive them. I really yeah, do. I think right. in that vulnerability and that it's Absolutely, hard. Yeah, it's hard to look at them and go, "Well, I don't know." You know, in that moment, you almost want to run alongside them and go, yeah. "Hey, okay, it's all right." You, you know, but when they don't hit that, not emotionally, but just in what they're saying, it, it's tough. Yeah, and I think some of that is because you worry. If I if if I stop you from going to the bottom floor, if I forgive you at the second floor, maybe we never get right, right to, to the bottom of this. To where it needs to go. Right, and then it's like a bone that doesn't set right. You know, it I, it's yeah. healed, but it's not healthy. I got a question, just that I'm thinking about a conversation I've had somewhat recently. But uh, in the process of forgiveness, um, if I am the person who's wronged, how how much of it is on me to make sure that the other person knows how they wronged me, and how much of is it? how much of it is on them to figure out that they have wronged me. So for example, if I'm in a conversation with somebody and they say, you know, if I've hurt you in any way, you know, I, I, I want you to forgive me. And part of me wants to say, you should, you should, if you, if you have a reason why you're saying that you should tell me why you think you might've hurt me, but I don't know if that's a right way of thinking or maybe I'm getting too far into the weeds. No, no. I think that has to come out somehow. Yeah. Now, whether you initiate it or they do, or you say to them, um, well, how do you think you have hurt me? You know, they say, I don't know. That's why I'm asking. And I would say, do you really want me to tell you? And then I would, I think you say it. I think yeah, it has to come out in order to know what you guys are talking about, whether you're talking about you the same thing. Vague terms. Yeah. It's yeah. easy to, I think it's easy sometimes to want things to happen, like you said at first, happen too quickly and just go, oh, listen, yeah, we're okay. I forgive you, you know, whatever. And then that, that will continue to stick like a chicken bone mm -hmm. in your throat when you, and you won't realize it until the next time you try to converse with the person and you realize, oh, yeah, I'm something's still, still between us. Yeah. Right. So do, do we as Christians have an obligation to forgive someone that does not repent of their sin? Uh, that's a great question. Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, let me, uh, before I answer that, let me say one thing for you, Jimmy. When you think about forgiveness, I think this is where God's forgiveness is instructional because the Bible would say this is one of the reasons God gives us the law is so that we're not convicted of sin generally, but specifically. You know, Paul will say, I read the law, it says don't covet, 
I covet, and then I realize, oh, shoot, you know, I'm a lawbreaker, (laughs) you know, and I I think that the law is God's way of going, hey, you have specifically offended me. You have specifically rejected my authority, not generically, right? And so I do think the law in a relationship needs to come out. Who brings it out is not as important, I think, if you say to someone, well, can I tell you these are the actual ways, or your apology was five things, I need it to be eight things, here are the three you missed, right? I think... What matters is what you do with the specificity. Do you turn away from it, reject it, argue your way out of it? Um, and I do, I, you know, Stacy, your question, I mean, I think that's the million-dollar question, yeah. right? And again, I, I, think, I think this is the way I would answer that, and I'm more than open to people saying, well, maybe not, or this, is I would say, if forgiveness, by forgiveness we mean it is not our place to impose uh, kind of divine punishment on someone, to to hold them as a guilty person uh, before God and kind of uh, in our heart, in our mind, verbally, kind of permanently lock them in this guilty category, then yeah, I think we need to forgive regardless of uh, regardless of uh, being sorry. It's a little bit like the oh, story bad. Jesus tells where that guy owes the king a lot of money and he forg- the king forgives right. him, and then he goes, the guy who owes him and shakes him and throws him in prison. And it's like, that guy wasn't saying he was sorry. <laughs> you know, yeah. he, he probably should have paid his debt. The, Jesus' point is, look, if you've been forgiven, who are you to no, hold? Right. But on the other hand, I think that, again, the example of, of the Lord is that he forgives those who in brokenness confess their sin. There is no forgiveness for those who equivocate or obfuscate or, you know, there's there's no category that God has for forgiving someone uh, for things in which they do not confess. So I think I don't mean you don't have to forgive them so you can put the screws to them. That's a separate thing. But I do think there's a, a distance that you can hold someone uh, until until they are confessing. So... I'll throw that yeah. out as an issue. Yeah, no, answer. I would agree with that. I mean, I think part of that one stage of forgiveness is to say, I will not take revenge. I will not take my pound of flesh. But the other is is reconciliation that we started with. And I think there is no reconciliation, not any real reconciliation without uh, someone asking for forgiveness and then granting forgiveness. Yeah, it's interesting. Even in my own marriage, you know, I always say that marriages are like two families colliding because, you know, you come from one way of doing things, your spouse comes from another. And and in my family, uh, you would say you were sorry, and then someone would be like, ah, whatever, you know, okay, let's, let's, let's get over it. In Amy's family, you had to ask, do you forgive me? And so when we started dating, she would introduce that into our relationship, you know, where she would do something to upset me or whatever, and she would be like, I'm sorry, and I'd be like, ah, you know, fine, whatever. And then she would say, do you forgive me? And in that moment, I could feel myself like clench, you know, where I was like, I was willing when she said she was sorry to be like, whatever, you know, okay. Uh, but when she said, do you forgive me? Because I knew that meant releasing yep. yeah. something I had over her. I knew it meant I couldn't sulk, I couldn't pout, I couldn't be angry, I couldn't because I had given that up. But she was also asking me to give it up. She was saying, in essence, you have every right to be angry with me. I'm asking you not to be. So, and I think that question was such a diffuser. If mm-hmm. my question, I guess my question for that is, as a follower of Jesus, if she asks that question, are you allowed to say no? Yeah, I don't think so. But I think that's my point. I think that's my point because I think what's wrapped up in that question is a sense of justice is on your side. I I have messed up here. I am wrong. 
I, and so I am sorry, and I want you to forgive me. Now, I don't know if you have to, you have to do that right in that moment because yeah. you don't want to be insincere. You might have to say, yeah. uh, you have to give me some time. But if you're a follower of Jesus, I Eventually. think you have to, yeah. right? Now, now my question, if we have time, is uh, the connection between forgiveness and uh, trusting someone again. Yeah. yeah, that's a hard one. I like in that, I mean, that's, a, yeah, I was thinking about that as well, with the reconciliation. I mean, with, um, again, someone else that I had a conversation with said, you know, that one sin that happens can make the entire brick wall of trust every single right. brick fall. Right. So then though it's a matter of one brick at a time, one brick at a time that it has to be rebuilt and it's a slow process. Maybe it'll go faster, but it's yeah. going right. to be yeah. reconciliation. That's yeah, right. that's a kicker because so you know, I've just dealt with a lot more men than mm-hmm. women in uh relationships where the man was unfaithful and then he asked for forgiveness and the woman for, though his wife forgives him, and he wants it back. He thinks that means we're back, right? And you don't you don't mistrust me at all. And he gets frustrated when she says, "I need to see your phone," or "Where were you at this time?" And I just have to go, man. You you it is what, and I use always use that same yeah. kind of uh, analogy. Just going, this is going to be one brick at a time. You chose to blow it up. Now one brick at a time. It's going to take some some yeah. doing, but you can do it. Yeah, and I think reconciliation, it may never mean going back to the way the relationship was before sin. I mean, sin has a damaging effect. Like, for example, I mean, to be extreme, you can make a mistake that costs somebody their lives. You can say to that family, do you forgive me? They may forgive you. Their life never goes back. It can't ever go back to the way it was. Like, sometimes sin has lasting, permanent consequences. So reconciliation, I think, has to have more to do with the disposition towards someone. Will you give up being angry every time my name comes up? Will you not run the other direction when you see me coming? The other stuff takes time and and may never. Right. Uh, You know, the great Mike Pettin, former Browns coach, said, uh, (laughs) I I use great with air quotes. Uh, He said this great quote, it's a fantastic quote. He said, trust is lost in buckets. And it's game back and drops. And I think that's a great quote. What, what uh, unfortunately, the nature of sin is such that you can evaporate what took years to build. But I do want to, let's close with this. Uh, always remember that the, uh, maybe the greatest thing, uh, commodity in the entire world is forgiveness in a broken world. And uh, we are the ones who have been given that through Jesus to Zach's uh, analogy, and we've been given that grace in buckets that he lavished on us, which is amazing. Um, So uh, however this podcast has made you feel and however many uh, hurts and pains you have kind of reminisced about even during this podcast, uh, be reminded that uh, the grace of Jesus has been lavished on you. You can be... uh, a conductor of that grace to others. And forgiveness has an amazing ability uh, to heal uh, damaged relationships, damaged people, and uh, just the brokenness of our world. You've been listening to Church Unplugged, the podcast of Christ Community Chapel. In each episode, we're going to look at topics and questions that are related to our faith in Jesus and to the way that it plays out in everyday life. We want your feedback. We want your suggestions. If you've got ideas or questions that you'd like to hear answered on the show, You can email us at churchunplugged at ccchapel.com. We would love to hear from you. Thanks for listening.